I love the talking guy show. I hear two guys talking. 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 Two guys talking are here. I hear two guys talking. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, Shield. The Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. Children as commodities? Meeting another skillfully powered inhuman? There's a lot to get to inside this episode that includes all of these things and... Another team member's arrival? It's the fourth entry of Season 5 for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it's time to review it all with detailed educational flair. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, it's good to have you and great to get into the fourth episode of Season 5. First, some quick housekeeping. Two guys talking Star Wars. It continues, Nick. Marches on like the Empire itself. This afternoon, Chief DiGiuseppe and Lieutenant Pat and I went to go see it. Oh, with, with, along with Officer Garrett, who we give a nice shout out to because he's also an Agents of Shield fan. Hello, Garrett. Thanks Hello, for coming out again. Hello, Garrett. Uh, so we have now seen it. Uh, we had a very short discussion post, which we are obviously not going to share inside of this. Well, of course of not. No, 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 no. Mostly because you haven't seen it yet. Sadly, no. I still have not found the time to go and and watch this this movie. And and the problem is with this, is that I can't. I can't hang out on social media at all. Yeah. Because every Mind other field. post is is something to do with The Last Jedi. Yeah. It's I'm, an absolute minefield. It, it, this whole last week was... I, if you didn't see me on Facebook or didn't, I didn't respond to your postings, everybody, so sorry. But that's why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can't open it up and I don't want to accidentally see anything that would have destroyed it for me. And so... I didn't. I somehow was able to run through unscathed like Neo in the Matrix. <laughs> and so it was great. And All I know is that this movie has split Star Wars fans down the middle. Yeah. Which I, is at par for the course for, I guess, this entire year. I will now turn. Yeah, I will now turn on the faucet of people that are reviewing and talking about it, mostly because I, I really want to know the different perspectives. Mm. But there is a very substantial perspective review in the cooking. And I think that's going to get done early rather than later. What that means is that in the fourth month when the DVD Blu-ray set comes out, that's when I think we'll be reviewing it for sure. It's it's hot topic enough 
there's enough Star Wars content that you can close the distance on the perspective review stuffs. And now that we've run through almost all of the classic, especially those first three, along with Rogue One, classic films, right. the rest of them are, when they come out, it doesn't make much difference, really. Mm. Uh, these new ones, I, I think there's a little bit of a marinating time that we'll definitely take advantage of, and the Blu-ray is a great way to do that. Just wait till the Blu-ray comes out, and right. then we'll have the review ready for I, everybody I, else. I've heard that there's supposedly several deleted scenes out of this movie mm. where it could have been almost another hour long. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's it's definitely got a hard road to go uh, in regard to reviews, whether you're thumbs up or thumbs down on it, but mm. I look very forward to throwing that through the perspective cone with Chris and Pat and anybody else who wants to jump in on that. I might have to jump in on that I, one. I, I think that you might. Having, um, having someone that's, not to be brazen about how old you are, but you're significantly younger than about a, almost a decade out of yeah. the, the three of you yeah, I, yeah. I, it would definitely be appreciated in fact getting someone even younger than you so that we can get that flavor mm. i think that's something else we might do I, we've never done anything like that traditionally it's a decade maybe 12 years max for the window of perspective review hosts inside a perspective review right. but i think it would be valuable for this one because it really would give you a really great perspective inside a perspective review remember you can go and listen to all of our perspective reviews of the first four star wars films right now so that's rogue one star wars empire strikes back and return of the jedi right now over at two guys talking star wars.com for color eulogy the big reason i'm bringing it by is because it's been what three years ago now uh, four four Almost four. four years ago, almost four years ago is when Nick and his best buddy Jason Contini came into the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, and because Four Color Eulogy is specifically laced with comic book references, yep. you guys guest hosted an episode of the formatted season, back then. Season one of yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with a, with a former co-host, and it was a ton of fun. You guys offered perspective, and not so strangely, you jumped right into the seat when the seat came open. Yeah, this is true. And this is so many episodes and hours, and now years ago. Yeah. Right, uh, yeah. I, I got a copy of the movie, and thank you again for gifting that hey, to me. No, I, I, I appreciate that. My pleasure. When, when you first came in to do the junket, Mm, a piece yeah. of the junket circuit inside of our program and then review the show. Uh, my mother had not yet died, mm. and she died earlier, th May this year. And so it's a, it definitely gives me a different tone. I knew the storyline mm -hmm. back then and before I started watching it. So I got through about 20 minutes of it, and I didn't realize how, how needing to soldier up I would need to to jump into it because it, it does involve death. It does involve the impact of family and friends and them all having to grab each other's bootstraps to help them through the trouble. So it's something I definitely recommend to everybody that you go and get it, which you can get it right now over on Amazon, actually. It is streaming on Amazon Prime right now for free. So if you have mm -hmm. Amazon Prime, all you have to do, type in Four Color Eulogy. It's right there. Uh, and that is just the film. Uh, we've also completed the two-disc DVD that has the film, two commentary tracks, and then a whole disc of just extra goodness, a whole yeah. a 40-minute behind-the-scenes making-of documentary, mm -hmm. all of the trailers that we put out on social media, a music video uh, for the uh, title song, Color Me. Mm -hmm. It's just jam-packed with stuff, and you can go over to the website at uh, fourcolorthemovie.com and order the DVD. We also have a whole bunch of other great stuff over there. Yeah. 
Uh, we're, we're, we're taking over, taking the world by storm. Four Color Eulogy <laughs> marches on. Yeah, it's fantastic. And again, we'll have all the links to go and link to everything that we've talked about here inside of the show notes for this episode over at agentsofshield.tv as well. Hey, again, thanks for the copy of the movie. I really appreciate it, dude. I can't wait to hear your thoughts after you've uh, watched more than 20 minutes. <laughs> Speaking of 20 minutes, multiply that times two, add on three more minutes, and that's what we're going to focus on, the 43-minute episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 4, A Life Earned, here on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software. Bloggers Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. A blood draw. Is that what it'll take to continue on a power? This was very interesting. Mm, yes. And something I don't think we've ever seen or had referenced inside of any Marvel universe where you could just go and grab a blood sample from anybody slash whatever wherever you go get it and then somehow transfer that skill set over by magic sciencey whatever the hell is going to happen so it's very interesting to see what is going to happen and if that is a viable transfer method because i mean that that opens up doors that we've never even thought of before i hate to bring it up but it was one of the factors of Maximus the Mad's plan towards the end of that. I have no idea what you're talking eight about. Eight episode so run of the Inhumans. You. So <laughs> the fact that we're in the future and this is actually the Cree, not just people who were created by the Cree, but the Cree, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that they have the ability to tinker with genetics. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very interesting. And again, it, it, anything that it can do to tether on to what sounds like or can be referred to as a science, all of us understand to give a good foundational benefit of uh, a common practice that can then spill into comic bookdom. I love that. Mm, uh, I yeah. love that. It gives a frame of reference for people that can't jump into that super high end sci-fi, whatever the hell is going to happen, science stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, this definitely gives it a real world flavor. <laughs> Why can't she quake chrysanthemum into liquid? Chrysanthemum. Yeah, I love referring to him, and I love the character that's being developed. For those of you that are curious, we're going to be talking a lot about character development when we do get into the Last Jedi perspective review. And uh, a lot of, not only about where it was, but what was given to us and then the reflection on it. Right. But just the very short phrases and showcase that he's had in these last couple of episodes. Mm -hmm. They built a, a, a good solid series of bricks of foundation for him that sly, smart, incredibly mean, like just mean spirited. Yes. And being able to put that all into a very short, tight package that can be consumed appropriately inside of a television program, that, that is a very strange road and not done well often at all. I'm pleasantly surprised that I can say I was wrong. Doesn't happen often on this show. <laughs> but if you recall, the, in our, our inaugural review of this season... I was kind of complaining about, oh, he, he seems just like a generic villain. The only nasty thing he did was turn Gemma into a space geisha. Episode three and four, boom, we've got, we're, we're getting a fleshed out villain here. And, and it seems that this show knows how to do villains. I shouldn't have been worried. That's, that's the thing. This show has delivered great villains for the last 
definitely three seasons. Mm-hmm. Solid, solid characters. I agree with that. And I, I, I'm not surprised that here again we're we're getting another one. He's ambitious yet. Uh, it, it, he's one of those bad guys that doesn't like his position in life. So he's kind of like middle management. Yet in his domain, his word is law, and he he struts around like a Roman king. Yeah. But you know that he's not. He's not even on the the mid mid rung of the totem pole. He's down on the bottom. Right. But now, oh, all of a sudden, I have Quake, the yeah. destroyer of worlds. Yes. Yeah. You will find anytime that you can take a villain, especially one that wants to live inside the middle management roles, whenever those level villains can go and then grab the the playing cards that are given to them to be ruthless, mm-hmm. to be in control, and to uh, leverage their control onto other people. It really does pay off when it's done really well, and right. I think we're really going in that direction. Yeah. I think the only thing that this suffers from is having to sit inside of the 43-minute cone of attention span. Oh, yeah. And it, it, I, I wish there was a way to get past that. The only way for agents to get past that is if it were to become a, a Netflix-slash-Hulu-based show, and that I don't foresee that happening really ever. Yeah, but then it's it's a binge show, and then it's over, and then you have to wait a year. Yeah. You know, at least yeah. this way. I mean, for us, we, we review every episode, so it's week by week. I, I envy certain people who get to, who, who show up for the show, let's say, six, eight weeks in, and sit down and just watch a nice chunk. Mm-hmm. And then they come over to our podcast and listen to yeah. what we think about those episodes in mm-hmm. a nice chunk. Yeah. Because oh man, waiting, waiting a week, and it's just it's seven days really. But e- even seven days when it's great television, is is hard to do. Yeah. A middle finger to his former guest. This is really fun. A really impressive guest from last episode yes. stops on by and realizes that oh my, look now he's. He's, he's somehow got Quake oh, yeah. as so one of his playing he, now cards. Now I have to treat him like he's important. Right, right. And he not only dismisses her, but throws it all right back in her face. Right. And I really enjoyed that because it's it's kind of where if you were in his shoes, you probably would have done the same thing. Oh, I definitely would have. Yeah, and the instant that you can take a, a villain out of anything and you can assume the villain's shoes and go, well, yeah, I'd have done the same thing. That's when you start to build credibility inside of the character development, not only for the character, but for the villain character. Mm-hmm. Because you not only can relate, but now you're in the shoes and you're fostering along what he's doing. It, it really is something that's missed inside of storytelling, especially inside of feature films lately. I foresee that this uh, female character will be a thorn in Chrysanthemum's side moving forward. I really wish they would say what what alien race they are. All, all, they look human, but they have red eyes. Yeah, I, I was I was talking to a friend recently at the nine to fiver, and inside of there, he wondered, you know, what what is where are these people from? Mm. And I, I don't want them to have to you know have a label or a name tag that says, "Hello, I'm Shmink from whatever in clock <laughs> Alpha Centauri. Yeah, yeah right. right, exactly. So I, I, obviously, I don't want that, but being able to recognize exactly. What kind of span has the leftovers of planet Earth become? Mm. It would be fun to have a snapshot of that, especially to have a snapshot of that before we jump out of what is the future role slash scenario that we're doing inside this right, season. Right, right. Quake being shopped around. 
This is very cool. And I, again, this goes right back to the playing card options that you have because he now has not just a playing card, he has the playing card. Right. The the cause of what they're all literally standing on is now standing in front of them and, hey, you can buy her today if the price is right. <laughs> I, I love that. It, it is almost accidentally skewed into a really good version of Running Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a great concept, and the book is actually very, very good. Right. Uh, th- that book would make a great Versus Machine podcast. Th- that game showy, but leaving off a bunch of the douche nozzle holding a microphone is what's going on here. Right, yeah. And I really appreciate that. There, it's it's a, who's going to be able to benefit by having her? And the answer is, we'll find out after the next commercial break. Right. And I like that. It really it dangles this little piece of chocolate in front of you and then goes, and eh, we'll talk about it in a minute. Well, I'm really digging the fact that in humans in this future have become a, I guess, an entertainment commodity. Mm-hmm. Although there's no telling what the, the buyers do with their inhumans once they leave Shell Shock Station 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sure there's more gladiator type battles yeah. that are held around the universe. Anybody that watched Thor Ragnarok will know that that's a that's a huge part of that film. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the Grandmaster enjoys his competitive competitions. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder if there's other if they're using them for other things. Are they are they bodyguards? Are they assassins? Uh, and, and maybe we'll delve into that during this show. Maybe that maybe they won't. And if we don't, no big deal. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting to wonder what if, yeah, where where the Inhumans of this future are concerned. They're, they're throwing through a lot of different options. Uh, I would kind of equate it to a real life video game, mm-hmm. where it's almost a Tron esque thing. The difference is that it's now physical fighting with with or without powers Mm -hmm. and i like that again it lends itself very much to the running man concept mixed in with a real life street fighter game right and i enjoy that i enjoy that a lot the creepy flavor deke exiting this is excellent that this whole scenario that they've built with deke and the spinning and the is he in? Is he out? I, I really thought I was going to hate something like this, but it's become it's become rich. It's like a it's like when you're expecting a really cheap ass butter, you know, a faux butter substitute right. on a piece of toast, and you like the toast anyway. So if it didn't have any butter, you'd be okay with it. Yeah. And then you take a, a really nice big chunk out of it, and it's that luscious clarified butter that's been <laughs> put into a piece of now toast that was toasted on a griddle or something, and it's just. It's got that extra taste and flavor mm. crunch on it, and that's what this is becoming for me. I really, really like that. It's definitely helping his character development. Deke is always working an angle. Yeah. And it seems that he's he's working multiple angles <laughs> at, at, well at any given moment. Yeah, that's very well said. He's working an angle with Chrysanthemum. Mm-hmm. He's working an angle with Daisy. Yep. He's working an angle with Coulson, mm-hmm. and he's working an angle with... Everybody else on the station, mm-hmm. and if you take if you take certain moments from these last four episodes, every now and then there's this there's this look of I don't know if it's sadness or more uh, maybe determination 
to be something other than what people think he is. Mm -hmm. But there's something else going on with Deke. And as the episode progresses, we find out more about that that leads us into the ending of the episode. But at this point right now, it's just this is a this is a guy that's got so many plates spinning at once. And at any moment, one of those plates, if one plate falls, they all fall. Yeah, yeah. The teeter-totter with the long game factor. We talked about this just briefly recently when we were talking about Deke's behavior. Mm-hmm. But again, I love that they're using the teeter-totter technique to use the long game flavor right. to really help balance what's happening inside of the storytelling, not only for Deke, but anybody that Deke interacts with. Mm. I, I really find that alluring. I, I like that a lot in what they're doing inside the storyline. Oh, yeah. And, and like I said before, it's it's helping me understand and and care about the character more. He's not just that... Oh, I'm the guy that can get you what you, what you need uh, here on the station. He's not just red from Shawshank. From Shawshank, yeah. Right. He's right. he's he's more than just the guy that can get things for you. There's even a flavor there where he wants to be more than red in Shawshank Redemption, but is he going to be able to do it? That kind of mm. goes back to your spinning plates concept, right. and I, I like that a lot. It, it really does add flavor and depth to the character rather yeah. than it just being a red from Shawshank. <laughs> Meeting another powered inhuman that's skilled. This is excellent also. We have... Love new characters. We have Ben, the new character, who is not also just a one-skilled trick inhuman pony. Right. He, th- there's some depth already being built with him, and he's only been on screen for eight and a half minutes. Yeah, but what, his first episode, and boom, I already get a feeling of who he is and what his motiva- right. motivations are. Right. He also doesn't feel throwaway, which I really appreciate. Yeah. It's another reason why I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and why I've appreciated it so long and why we've been reviewing and sticking to it is mm-hmm. because of the ability to take a brand new character, take reasonably short segments inside of an episode, and add meat on the bone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, it makes this kind of thing is what makes me crazy. When we get into a feature film that has billion-dollar budgets and you <laughs> yeah. get characters that are literally thrown at you because they look cool and they don't do anything. They don't go anywhere. They don't offer any, you know, like a, like a sleeping bag of interest at all. They're just literally on the screen like a, like a cardboard cutout. And you kick them over with your foot and you move on to the next thing. I hate that. Yeah, it seems that certain studios in Hollywood think that as long as the actor is dressed like the character from the comic book as long as it resembles the comic book look Mm -hmm. and it might say at least one or two cool lines during a almost three hour movie then that's all they need to worry about yeah can it's all flash and no substance yeah can that character be a piece of a trailer that's going to make the trailer succeed and get people people's butts into the seats i call bs on that yeah there has to be something more and this program continues to develop that on just tiny little added on characters i really love that doubting max fatherhood ability this is excellent and what i'm really really happy on is that they're giving mac some diversity in regard to being a character again mm. uh, the beginning of this season i was not on board with the i'm i'm loquacious and i must somehow interject something positive into everything that i say i didn't care much for that especially considering where they came from right and so that they're allowing him to do something else in addition to where he started there and take him on a on a character magic carpet ride i'm absolutely fine with that i want to see that from someone like mac 
It's it's surprising yet not. It's right. surprising right. that right. that he's allowing himself to be placed in this position, but really he has no choice. Mm-hmm. The thing that surprises me the most is no, and, and it doesn't surprise me because this is a great show. Mm-hmm. It cares about its characters. We get the opportunity to see and and hear firsthand from the horse's mouth what this is doing to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's like, oh, okay, so I'm a big guy, so I'm an enforcer now. The fact that Grill, you mm-hmm. know, the uh, the overboss. The guy from 1408. Or, no, no. Uh, I mean, identity, identity. not 1408. <laughs> the other John Cusack <laughs> kind of sort Vehicle. of horror movie. Yeah. Grill Grill's lost his right hand man, mm-hmm. so it makes perfect sense that you know Mac is the biggest guy in the in the room, mm-hmm. probably the biggest guy in the station, mm-hmm. next to the Cree soldiers. Mm-hmm. So it it helps the team that Grill is willing to bring Mac in so closely, mm-hmm. but bad for Mac because now Mac already in a vulnerable state to begin with. Remember, we're we're fresh out of the framework. It's been probably now story wise. A week, maybe maybe, maybe. little mm-hmm. little under, little over, mm-hmm. but still he is still dealing with what happened to him, where hope was concerned. Yeah, and this scene where he tells Yo Yo about when I lost my real daughter. You know, it took me weeks to go in there and clear things out, but eventually I grieved and I moved on. In the framework, I had a life with a daughter that didn't exist, and I'm 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 having a harder time getting over that than what happened to me in the real world. Yeah, talk about a gut punch to the to to, to just every heartstring I have I absolutely have, and I have no children. Mm-hmm. You know that 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 right there is. I remember us talking three seasons ago about okay, well, there's the big muscle bound guy who who can fix things. Right. All right. Well, you got a skill set. Cool. But what else do you got? Yes. And now here we are, season five, and this is, he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah. yeah. The, the last two seasons alone have developed him into something that is just fun to watch. It, what I also love is that we can anticipate something to be different. Mm. Uh, again, it's a, it's a rarefied character that can, you can take in all of these different directions and them not somehow cave in on themselves because they either can't do it mm. or it becomes cliche. There would be a scenario that Mac has put into that would then become something that you're terribly familiar with and then what they would do is they would paint the same off-ramp that they do every single time for Mac uh, and you go, oh, it's time for Mac to go on the insert name of feeling carpet ride. Right. Okay, well, we don't have that. We don't have that. We're able to have him go like a like a 4x4 Land Rover throughout all kinds of different feelings and offerings inside of the episodes and you get to watch how he operates going over these different terrains yeah and i really enjoy that about what they've painted with that character but also that actor mm-hmm. I, I think that we found something really special and what i love too is that you know that he is always going to be painted as the okay so we need the muscle head the guy that we need the giant black bald guy you know that well, he's going to be go. thrown into roles so as long as you've got that, that's awesome. But when you can paint on top of that to give the character more depth, that's when it starts to reach something completely different, and that's where we are with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Both are telling the truth, asterisk. A little help from our new powered friend. This is excellent. Anytime that you take a general super-powered skill set and you start to, you start to fillet it, 
so that it will spread out like a like a an open petaled flower in your hand. Yeah. I instantly love what we're doing, regardless of the character and property, regardless of the storyline, and regardless of how long we need to watch it. Because it instantly becomes something else other than just, and now it's time to showcase, this guy knows how to read minds. Mm-hmm. Blah, who cares? But when you start to layer that off with different things and reasons why they're doing it, but more importantly, how it's impacting other characters, yeah. you've really developed something special, and that's what they've got inside this scene. This could have been one of those really, I don't want to say stupid, but generic scenes. Yeah, I agree with that. But the writing, the acting, and the placement of the characters, it all worked well. The the fact that Chrysanthemum stands in front of Daisy blocking Gemma's view. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure he, he's picked up on the fact that, well, this is no dummy. She probably can understand certain lip movement. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Gemma probably took a class at some point in time, mm-hmm. maybe at the academy, mm-hmm. on lip reading mm-hmm. she may not be a a master at it mm-hmm. but she but i think that's one of the reasons why she hasn't freaked out because of her predicament she can still kind of feel out what's going on just by looking at people's body language yeah. and the way that they're talking and probably reading certain phrases from their lips so boom we've taken away any chance of Gemma being able to repeat verbatim what daisy is telling chrysanthemum so now you add in the fact that, okay, it's your turn, and she tells the same story. So automatically, smart because we're smart, we know, okay, there's gotta it's gotta have something to do with Mr. Mind Reader, but how is he doing it? And then he says, Ah, hey, guess what? I don't just read minds, I can let other people read my mind. And that's something different that we haven't seen before. Right. Usually it's, it's okay, I'm creating a psychic link, mm-hmm. and now you can understand each other and you're hearing exactly the same thing. Yeah, or, or you are now a marionette because of my mind control. Right, right. And, and usually we'll yeah. get that in from X-Men villains and yes. things like that. Mm-hmm. This is something completely different. Yeah. It's I, I can allow other people to read my mind. So mm-hmm. I heard your story. I opened my mind up to Gemma. She read it, and boom. That's how, we, that's how we're all still alive. Yeah, I, I really enjoy that. And when they bother to take the time to, to, to offer things like that, again, it gives that – it's like eating a soup where you go, oh, look, it's a can of Progresso. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you get the, you know, the real soup that's been cooking for days in a restaurant someplace. <laughs> That, that really is the difference of what we're getting here. And I, I always want that rather mm. than another yet another can of Campbell's. Right. And it's great to see it here. Children as commodities. It is a heart wrencher. Wow. It instantly allows pathos. Uh, even, even if you don't like kids. You know what you don't like? Child slavery. Yeah. And it's low-hanging fruit. But it's incredibly robust, tasty, low-hanging fruit. And I think they play it wonderful inside this episode. Mm. They really, they get you engaged, but then they also allow you to have your own feelings based on what you see. And I don't, again, I don't know many shows that do that so quickly like Agents does. It it also comes down to, and and it is used in storytelling, and like you said, it's low-hanging fruit. Sometimes it is handled very well, other times it is handled just... Just to add tension because you don't know how to write mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. 
And I know there's there's some people that don't care for when children are put in peril in storytelling, whether it be movies or television. Mm-hmm. That's a instance turn turn the channel or turn turn the TV off or switch channels. Here, it's not necessarily child in peril. It's the the realization to our characters, because again, everybody on Shell Shock Station One. They know the, the score. They know how mm-hmm. life is. Mm-hmm. Again, we are experiencing this future through our character's eyes, our agent's eyes. And when they're slapped with the the realization that children are, 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 are a commodity, it's something that you have to strive to be able to pay for or, or, or take tests, jump through hoops to be able to have a child whether it be yours or not, genetically engineered or not. So seeing something like this, knowing that there's a future that, I, I, I don't know, that, that, that children are... Let me give you a sample. I'm going to give you a sample. So here, here's, a, here's a, a reasonably good, hope you provide me input sample for not only you, but everybody that's listening. Okay. Okay, good children in peril, Stargate. Mm. Bad children in peril, Mad Max Thunderdome. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, they're they're almost parallels of each other in that everybody's tan, everybody's covered in sand, everybody's wearing rags. So it, it, it really is kind of one to one. It's not some Valhalla area mm-hmm. versus the armpit of America. It, 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 they really are similar. But the way that you pull off the storytelling is by making it appropriately pathos inducing. As opposed to blunt over the head, you shall now feel sympathy. Mm. And that's what you get inside of those two samples. I really do think that. (laughs) Creepy McSilverballs and May square off. And here we go. I I love being able to see a couple of cans of whoop-ass just being opened up and and videotaped. (laughs) It's fun. We get a lot of action in these first four episodes, and I, I'm appreciative of it. I, I yeah. really am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's mostly the violence has been uh, human on Cree. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the odds are already stacked against you. You know, in the previous episode, we had Daisy go up against two Cree soldiers. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you know, she can shake, rattle, and roll. So she was able to navigate those fights, and we were able to believe it. It's like, okay, tiny little Daisy, she didn't have any powers. Uh, no, against two Kree soldiers? Eh, probably not. But she's got her inhuman powers. Yes, okay, okay, yeah, of course. Okay, so we've got May, who we know can get out of any situation. Unfortunately, she is still injured. Mm-hmm. She is still favoring that leg. Which kudos to the writing staff. Yeah. Still, and, to and, this point, and, and, she's still dealing with it. She still has a bandage on it. And Ming-Na Wei. Yes. Because, again, the actor realizing or being told, either one, I don't care, mm-hmm. but portraying that there's still something going on, thumbs up. Right. right? It's something that I mentioned the very first episode when that injury happened was mm-hmm. to watch it. And now, sure, creepy McSilverballs is not as imposing as a Kree soldier, mm-hmm. but... She does have the, you know, the her, her her mind spheres, and this fight, you could almost you could almost think that they were evenly matched, had May not been injured, mm-hmm. and if creepy McSilverballs didn't have the silver balls, I think it would be a very interesting rematch because because you know it didn't go very well for May during this fight. Mm-hmm. She held her own. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll give her that, mm-hmm. but 
I would like to see a rematch where it's just the two of them, you know, evenly even playing field. I, I kind of think that uh, May may actually have the edge on that one. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just wishful thinking. I, I think it's wishful thinking, but that's actually where we're going to call the audience real quick. Hey, there we go. What do you think? If the if the injury were not there, would this be a more even slash leaning towards May fight? Let us know what you think by going over to our website over at agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the web form and let us know what you think. Deke trying to come clean this was great again it's painting a, yet another ribbon of flavor and interest into the deke story which mm -hmm. i love yeah i love that he is not just the guy trying to get over or get money i love that he's not just the guy that's trying to play both sides i love that it's not just a guy who is only going out of his way to do good things for other people it's this conglomerate of all of those things. And depending on what's going on in the episode, you're going to get something different from him. Right. And I love that. It, it's, it, it's, an, it's an instantly in, more interesting character than it would be otherwise. There are several different points in this episode where you get exposition from either him or other characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's through conversation. And again, the writers... They're able to come up with this organic way for these characters to speak to where exposition scenes aren't exposition scenes, where you're not sitting there and going like, oh, so this is the in info dump. <laughs> yes. uh, okay, I better pay attention because I'm, I'm, sure, I'm yeah. sure this is uh, this is going to be important important later on. No, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's always organic. Mm -hmm. It helps develop the character into something more than just a two-dimensional Hey, I'm that guy that can get you things, and red. depending on it's, it's not right, just red. but depending on who I'm talking to, I might screw you over too. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, watch back. Yeah. Well, really, what it becomes is that uh, the round tubby character from Game of Thrones. I don't, I don't remember you when you don't watch it. I don't watch Game of Thrones. Okay, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> is it just me, or is this whole episode dark? And I don't mean like, oh my God, it's the Dark Knight Returns. It's so gritty and and incredibly dark, futuristic, noir. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about, like, it's just dark. It, the whole, everything is dark. Like there needed to be more, or they intentionally left lights off. Everything inside of this episode looks really, really dark. Huh. And I'm watching on a screen that gives significant contrast. It's a, it's a... 42 inch plasma screen so it's not a it's I, at least i'm assuming it's not my television <laughs> i didn't watch it on something else to verify that but I, I just thought a lot of it was dark where like it was just a lot of dark on dark inside of this there there were quite a few scenes that took place in dark areas mm -hmm. and i think it was i think that's uh that might have been the director's intention you mm -hmm. know because there are dark moments as an example uh and a lot of a lot of the exposition, a lot of personal feelings, come out when our characters are hidden in dark corners and are able to talk freely because they feel safer letting their true intentions and their true feelings out when they think nobody else can see them because they're in a, a dark 
or unlit place. Mm-hmm. The only that's the only explanation I could really give. Interesting. What well, you know what I'll do is I'll grab a couple of screenshots from what I was yeah. seeing, especially towards the probably the three quarter mark inside the episode. I mean, it was just dark. It was so dark. I went back and looked at a couple of scenes, not because I didn't know what was going on, just mm-hmm. because like I didn't know what was going on because it felt that dark. Anything that was happening on Chrysanthemum's level, always well lit, always yeah. bright. Mm-hmm. Because that's how he likes his stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it seemed like most of the time, anytime that we were in below deck, yeah. even mm-hmm. when, we, when we were on that new floor, floor 35, I think it was, 35 mm-hmm. or 36, mm-hmm. where all the Cree tech is being held, mm-hmm. all that was dark as well. You know, it was it was a science lab, but all the lights were way down low and conserving it, energy or whatever. Sure, okay, because oh, you know what? that's, that's what it. we do. Maybe that, well, maybe 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 that is. When maybe, you don't have a whole lot of energy, you don't dump a whole lot into an area that isn't being used. And right, a bunch of people are. Maybe, maybe, that's maybe that. It. Maybe, maybe, that's maybe it. there's the explanation right there. Putting the brakes on Max pity party. This was tremendous. Again, I love it when people will intervene. And give what amounts to either a verbal or literal smack in the face to pull up on the stick of life. Because mm. it really does need to happen way more often than I think it does inside of life. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people, that if if there was an ability to just kind of like what they've built with the, the concept of Captain Obvious inside of whatever that product line is. Is that liquor? I don't, no, I no, it's a, it's a travel website. No, oh, okay. So, same concept. Mm. Uh, and while I can't remember what the hell the advertisement was for, it's not the point. You remember the, the point, character, though. Right. Well, you remember the character, but then you also remember the mechanism of the character interacting with whomever it is. And I love that. I, being able to, let's get past it. Right. And uh, having that inside of this episode was extraordinary. And I, I love that. And I don't know if it was a whole let's get past this, but it's definitely put a put a pin in it. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's we don't have time. Yeah. To deal with it, yeah, it, it goes back to what we were talking about with May and Coulson. The uh, I do believe it was episode two. The slight, mm-hmm. the, the hand on the shoulder. shoulder. Mm-hmm. Are, are you okay? It, yeah, I, I want to sleep in my own bed, but yeah. you know, I isn't know it, that I can't. Isn't it funny that that was approximately when all of the sexual harassment slash assault stuffs was building inside of Hollywood that that, that 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 happened to happen and then it just it wasn't there anymore because they chose to not go that route. This was written and recorded way before all of that came out right. public. True. But the, True. The, the little accidental it happened the same week was kind of interesting. A clash of unbridled powers to excite the senses. Doesn't matter where it is, doesn't matter the storytelling. It does matter on the execution, Mm. but as we've been saying for now, almost four entire seasons of this program, execution has never been the problem inside of this program. Right. And so when you have the words clash of unbridled powers to excite the senses inside of an agent's episode, it is golden. Mm. I can't say enough about the pacing of this episode in particular. I mean, all four episodes so far have been great. Mm Mm-hmm. But it seemed like the pacing in this one, it was just boom, 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 boom. It, it just kept you going almost, not not necessarily, but almost keeping you off balance. And I think that that was deliberate because of the way that the episode ends. And in Pops Fits. There he is. Holy shit. Yeah. This, this, this is that... Didn't see it coming. No. 
and, and it's not a gotcha moment either. No, no, what no. I, what I also love is that uh, not only did I not see any trailers for this episode, mm-hmm. I'm so happy that while avoiding social media to avoid all the Last Jedi crapola in the last week, right. what I also didn't spy was, hey, look, whoosh, Smith sticks off his helmet inside of one of the little eight-second commercials that yeah. happens inside of social media. So kudos for them, at least for not me not seeing it anyway, mm. but for not throwing that away. I, I think that's what really makes me angry on trailer stuff is don't throw away stuff that can be so robust and and satisfaction making when you do that i think it has something to do with whoever is in charge of creating content to go out and reel people in to watch the next episode whether it be the trailers for a tv show or a movie or just hey here's a snippet of next week's episode i think they're so terrified of not giving the viewing public enough for them to come back mm-hmm. that they do that I agree that they that. will put that little snippet of cuz I could totally see the last minute and a half of this episode being something that's put out 2 days after the episode airs if you're not watching agents of shield you know you're da, 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 you're yeah you're 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 just stupid <laughs> and here's why and then they show this and and I can I can understand network people just being so terrified that their show isn't going to do well that they'll they will give that extra taste and for some people it works it's like oh that's happening i gotta watch that show for others like you it's like uh, why'd you do that what you, you didn't have to do that i'm going to watch your show it's definitely a catch-22 where well, I'm gonna, social media yes I'm, I'm, is concerned because I like information. I want to know that the show's doing well. Mm-hmm. I want to know the schedule, of course. But if I'm looking at an article that that is telling me this, but then also so, and guess what? Uh, gotcha. Yeah. A tickle fight, and, and then they reveal something that I didn't really want to know. It's like, oh, come on, yeah. man. Yeah. Taking in pop culture information inside of any cone of entertainment, whether it's social media or anywhere else, mm-hmm. is such a weird little fickle pot to go and grab a bite from. But what I can tell you, again, to reference The Last Jedi that I just got done watching for the second time today, Mm -hmm. I I can tell you that making sure that I was dry going in, I I knew some general concept, the very first trailer. Right. That's all I had in my brain about what I'm going to receive. And I know, especially now, having taken, I don't know, the last three or four hours before the recording of our program today to go and accidentally dip the toes into what's being said about the reviews and the thumbs ups and the thumbs downs of what's going on inside of The Last Jedi, I can tell you that I know I benefited from not bathing in spoilers and digging into theory and the rest of the stuff. I absolutely benefited from that. Now, that I didn't jump into it and am now imbibing in it now... I think I get a more robust, rounded flavor of being a fan mm. because you're, it, it, I would, I guess I would compare it to taking in ice cream. If I say the words chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream, everybody's got a concept of that. But if I've got chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream and then I start muddling in some strawberry and uh, how about some pistachio, we'll throw that in there and list a whole nother thing of ingredients. Well, what is it you're actually tasting now? Yeah. It reminds me of the, you know, when you go into a, a here in St. Louis, we have something called the bread company uh, or mm-hmm. Panera, Panera bread, Panera bread or 
St. Louis Bread Company. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, inside yeah. there, I can remember the very first time, and it's got to be a decade now ago, but I can remember going in there the first time, and I saw, I'm running through the bagels, and I usually get a blueberry bagel. I like it toasted with some uh, with some margarine, okay? So, hi, can I have a blueberry bagel and some margarine, please? Would you like it toasted? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. A little bit more dark than not. So she goes, and she runs it through the, the cutting machine thing. Right. She drops it in the toaster, toasts it up, gives it to me. And as I'm waiting, and she's doing the work, I'm running through the listing of bagels. And so there's, you know, there's plain sesame seed, blueberry, uh, Asiago. onion, Asiago cheese, everything. Wait a minute. What 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 is that? And so I ask her, I go, what what is that? What is that everything bagel over there? And she goes, well, that's everything on it. And I'm like, everything like what? And she said, well, it's everything. Okay, well, I know what I'm never going to go eat. And that's what I don't. Because it's everything. You you don't know what you're tasting. You, you, right. You can't and if you can't tell me exactly something. what's on there, it's everything. Well, no, no, no. It's not everything. <laughs> you, you, you can't put everything on anything. <laughs> and so never will I, never will an everything bagel pass through my lips. That being said, the concept is still the same. I want to be able to discern what it is I'm taking in as a fan. Does that mean that I don't want any of the other flavors? No, that's not what that means. What that means is that I want to take in the flavor and then let's start peppering the other stuff so I can I can have a, a frame of reference. A, uh, this is what it is and now we're adding on this. And right. now we're adding on this to, to give some perspective to what's going on. That's the train of thought that I take in regard to everything, especially feature films, especially feature films, a level of something like The Last Jedi, mm-hmm. because I do want to have, okay, we know that it's coming after The Force Awakens. Yes. We know that Luke Skywalker is in it. Yes. We know that Rey is in it. Yes. We know we know that Snoke is going to appear in it. Yes. We know that Kylo Ren is going to be in it. Yes. We know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All those baseline things I'm good with. But the instant that you start throwing in something that is a question mark, that wouldn't have been a question mark until I see the film. Right. That's where the alarm bells start going off because I want that delivered inside the movie. Um, the other thing that I, I, I don't think they've been doing it nearly as much, and I think it's probably because of backlash. But it's where a, a film will have I don't know. Let's take Last Jedi again as a sample. There's got to be. 35 different oh my god you gotta be kidding me scenes in it mm-hmm. and what the trailers didn't do was take any one big one and blow it out the door because they could right they were reserved on it and I think that that develops a much better sense of satisfaction when you go and see the movie and you leave the movie not having known a bunch about the movie before you go in mm-hmm. the proof positive on that is that over the now last three years the last 36 months I have taken extra extra care to not run myself through the ringer of all kinds of trailers. Right. I'll take the first trailer and then I pull the ripcord. Even when I go into movies like The Last Jedi, The Last Jedi, and they've got all kinds of trailers about the stuff that's coming up that I don't want to know. I will literally just tune it out. I, I am not paying attention. I'll even just, you know, have, take a short nap or something when I'm sitting in front of it because I don't want to know. I, I want to get into the movie and I I want to know the concept I have of Black Panther, for example, is that I know he's a dude that runs around in a suit, lives in a highly technologically advanced piece of a jungle. That's all I want to know before going into the Black Panther movie. I want nothing else. I want nothing above the first trailer that we got for Black Panther. Uh, in fact, even the Black Panther trailer, it's kind of kicking into where I don't want to know because I want to get the information 
from the movie before I ever get the information inside of a trailer that you see a year and a half beforehand. Right. No, no, I, I agree. And we've we've had this conversation before. I do believe just before Doctor Strange came out. I well am I am a trailer whore. I will watch the trailers. And I will tell you this. I have to give certain studios, and maybe it is because Disney owns both Lucasfilm and Marvel now, mm -hmm. and they are the ones in charge of creating these trailers. If you notice, go back and rewatch the Force Awakens trailer. Nothing important is shown in that trailer, but it is cut in a way that you think everything you're seeing is important. It's all, ooh, and ah, but guess what? No, no, they're not giving anything away. Go back and rewatch some of the past Marvel films. They're showing the average non-comic book reader just enough to let you know, okay, here's what our movie is about. If this ain't your cup of tea, okay, now you know. Right. If you have enjoyed everything that Marvel has done, but this still isn't your cup of tea, well, maybe you'll maybe you'll taste the tea. Maybe you'll go and with a friend and taste the tea. Unlike other studios that'll basically just show all the great stuff in your movie in a trailer to make you go, oh, I got to go and see that. And then you watch the movie and you realize, oh, wow, they put all the great stuff in a trailer. I've noticed m more and more from Disney that they're actually lying to us in trailers. Here's an example. Go back and rewatch a Thor Ragnarok trailer in the trailer you actually see you see thor on a city street he's he's in his asgardian garb and he's squaring off against hella and it's a city street new york probably a new york back alley and he tosses mjolnir at her she catches it in her hand and crushes it and it it falls to pieces on the floor now if anybody's seen the movie that you know that didn't that scene did not take place in a city street, a city back alley. It took place in the plains of New Zealand or wherever the hell. Wherever the hell. Right. Mm -hmm. They're intentionally lying to us in trailers to give us something, but not what we think they're giving us. Long story short, Fitz shows up <laughs> and it's a WTF moment. Yeah, totally. Totally, totally, totally WTF moment and, in this episode and, and, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's why it's a beneficial WTF moment. Yes. There is a surprise that's built in just so that there can be something that is a question mark at the end and then you push to the close. Because honestly, you're not expecting, you're not expecting to know anybody in this room. These are all aliens who have come to bid on Quake. Right. So the fact that some some alien creature with a wackadoo mask walks up and totally pulling a Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi with that, uh, you know, the bounty hunter disguise that she's mm -hmm. wearing, mm -hmm. you know, voices disguised, you have no idea who this is, and then, you know, five seconds before credits roll, he takes the mask off and it freaking fits. Yeah. No, I, 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 I what, love it. What? I mean, I literally, I jumped out of my chair and dropped the remote going like, what? what, what? Yeah. I, I love it. I love it that it took the chance, but that it disguised the chance, literally. Yes. Not, and figuratively, to the audience as it's delivered at the end of the episode. Kudos to you guys. Great stuff.
I always say that we're running long, but frankly, we're not running long. We're running rather average. We're average, even <laughs> though we uh, take a couple of uh, twists and turns here and there and go off topic. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's time to take a break here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We will be right back. While I whisper in Mike's ears, spoilers for next episode. Oh. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. The number one question for those who have a podcast is simple. Why are you still editing your podcast? The answer, editorcore.com. Look, I've been podcasting for over 12 years now, and the bottom line is, if I could travel back in time via whatever time machine I had at my disposal, I would jump back to the beginning of my podcast career and tell myself to not edit my own podcasts. That day is here with EditorCore.com. Save the time you waste editing your podcast every single episode. Get your podcast edited by experienced seasoned podcast editors over at EditorCore.com. Make your podcast soar with the EditorCore. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Pop quiz, horror fan. What do television, comic books, Broadway musicals, video games, and heavy metal music all have in common? Learn the answer during A Crash Course in Horror, Part 2, at TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com. That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com
everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 5, Episode 4, A Life Earned. Every time we come back from break during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, it's time to open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers is where Nick and I showcase an actor's portrayal, a shared storyline, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic inside this episode. Nick, what have you got? Uh, there, there was a lot in this episode that I could shove into my dossier mm-hmm. again, but my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier is going to deal with something that we did not talk about mm-hmm. during this review, Okay, and I think that it's important to talk about it because, yet again, adds a little bit of uh, another bit of layer onto uh, this character. Uh, my dossier is filled with the revelation of Deke's parents. There towards the end, when uh, Coulson plays the recording from the, from the surface of the cracked earth, or beneath the surface of the cracked earth. Where there's no atmosphere. And where there's die. no atmosphere and people shouldn't be able to walk around all willy-nilly. <laughs> Coulson reveals to Deke that Virgil... Virgil, right. Mm-hmm. ...had been talking to somebody who was inside the cracked earth, mm-hmm. and Coulson plays the message that they recorded while they, the last time they were out for Deke. And Deke explains that anybody that believed in the old ways, the, the, the stories of heroes and specifically the legend of Quake and the Agents of Shield, they were all they were all killed. That's this is what we've been told since, since episode one. Mm-hmm. But what we actually find out is that they weren't executed. They were just banished to the surface of what was left of the earth. With spacesuits. No. Evidently oh, not with spacesuits. No. Okay. Never mind. There was no spacesuits. Nobody's wearing spacesuits. It makes sense if they were wearing spacesuits, but you know what? I don't write the show. So we find out that Deke's parents were actually believers in in the legend or prophecy of Quake. And, and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And on top of that, the voice on that recording is Deke's father, which he hasn't heard in years because he assumed his father was dead. Not only do we get more story build, building legend for this future from this conversation but now we have a character who's been very iffy very wishy-washy to, uh, on what side he's really on mm-hmm. now he actually has a reason to help these characters his family might actually be alive so now he has incentive to help Colson in any way, shape, or form that he can. And I think moving on, we may see a different side of Deke because the Deke that we've seen so far is a man without a country. He's a man without a family. He's a loner. Well, now you add in the possibility that he might have some connective tissue to a family out there could totally change the character. For better or for worse. I don't know, who knows? But it, it could totally change the character. And I'm I'm hoping that we get a more focused and maybe even a little bit more ruthless Deke in the coming episodes to find out whether in his search 
to to find out if that really in, is in fact his father and if maybe both his father and his mother are alive inside the cracked earth. And that is my shield dossier. Yeah, what I love about all of that, it's always been shared to us that Deke is the long gameplay guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it doesn't get any longer than, oh, my God, I've got to find out if my family's alive. And if they are, well, then we all have to live. I mean, you want to talk about long games. There's your long yeah. game. You know, that, that that's not just a, well, we got to go for the next couple of weeks until they finally sell off or kill Quake, and then who cares? <laughs> okay, well, that that's, that's the short game compared to the long game that we're actually talking about now. Uh, that's a great choice for this episode. I think inside of this episode, I have to go back to something that we talked about, and that is developing Ben as a new but incredibly interesting brand new character. Mm, yes. This is something that I want more programs, regardless of their ilk, regardless of whether or not they're a Marvel property, regardless of whether or not they're on the smaller HD screen or on the silver screen. I don't care. But this, I want way more of this where even the characters you only glance across at least have some ribbon of interest. Right. Because I'm done with there being nameless minion people that serve no purpose except to put color onto a screen that have absolutely nothing to do with anybody or anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about extras. I'm talking about a character. Ben inside this episode is a character inside of this storyline. He's obviously going to be used for something else in the very near future, if not something more permanent, which would not be terrible. What we are completely missing inside of our team is an empath. Yep. So imagine if we had not only an empath, but somebody that could pass and or share his thoughts inside of someone else's head while something was going on. It's an instant piece and apparatus that we don't have inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. team, but also inside of our television program. We've got zero in the way of anything mental right. going on. And so I, that's my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier for this episode. What do you guys have in your dossier for this episode? Season 5, Episode 4, A Life Earned. Let us know what you think by going to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Chime in there on any of the threads that are there or start your own and let us know what you think. Ah, we arrive at the always fun rating for this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 4, A Life Earned. The scale works thusly. Ten is on top of the heap. A heapin' helpin' party of interesting character delivery. A one, no spacesuit in the dead of space for you. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? Do we are we going to need an empath to figure out what our ratings are for for this particular episode? I, I seriously doubt it. I doubt it as well. Uh, again, this is a yeah, another slice out of the the meaty, delicious shepherd's pie that is Agents of Shield. Good call. It's just because I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, this is yet yet again. This is this is another episode that just flows with the previous episodes mm -hmm. it builds upon what the previous episodes have already given us it also gives tendrils into what we could possibly think of what's going to happen in the future of this show and that's 
something that I'm very appreciative about is that even though I am a, as I said earlier, I am a trailer whore, over the years of reviewing this show, I have dialed back on I must find out every single bit of spoilerificness that I can mm-hmm. about coming episodes. Mm-hmm. If I happen upon something, uh, well, you know, shit happens. Okay, mm-hmm. so I no, now I know this. But I don't actually seek it out. I, I would wait with bated breath for the summer to roll around for San Diego Comic-Con because San Diego Comic-Con is where all of the information that you could ever possibly want Bonanza, is right. going to be shoved out there for everybody because mm-hmm. it happens just before the new television season starts. Mm-hmm. And that's where they they announce, hey, look, we got Ghost Rider, but it's not motorcycle riding Ghost Rider. It's, you know, souped up charger riding Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. I have I have dialed back on trying to find out what is going to what is going to happen in future episodes simply because I I am now it's almost it's like a drug. I, I like the pain of having to wait week to week. And, and, and it's hard. It is a pain. I have to constantly distract myself with other things so that I don't... Is it is it Friday yet? Because it'll be on Friday, and then I could watch it Saturday. And, and is it Saturday yet? Oh, it's not... It's only... Oh, wow, it's Tuesday. Damn it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I, I put myself in mental geek peril every week, I want more. There was nothing wrong. There, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this episode. It did everything right. The pacing was perfect. Character development was per- perfect, especially for a brand new character. I mean, I feel like I know Ben in just one episode. I have a feeling for Ben in just one episode than, hell, Creepy McSilverballs. Mm-hmm. I don't know nothing about her. All I know is that she's creepy and she's got some silver balls. Mm-hmm. So there, I, I can't complain. So, of course, this is a 10. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great number for this episode. My my slice of delicious sirloin is 10 inside this episode as well. I, I always want to try and give it a lower rating just because I want my future 10s to have some impact. But when you consider how well-developed this episode was, I don't know what else to give it. It'd be it, an insult to try to give it something it lower would, it, because it, it, it would, did nothing wrong. It would be completely disingenuous as well. Because well. I, I, I can't... There's nothing inside this episode I can go and pick on. There's nothing. There's nothing inside this episode. And that's when we ask you guys, what did you think of this episode? Season 5, Episode 4, A Life Earned. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and let us know what you think. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv.
secret two guys talking communication. You know, that's a great idea that you had that we talk about the children. And I think that your idea of where you can put it is even greater than your your reference back to it. Oh, well. And you are a crack co-host. Wow. I really, really appreciate you. <coughs> Sorry. I'm choking on all the sarcasm saccharin. that is coming from the other side of the table. Can I load some more saccharin? Wow. All right. Insert the tone. This will go back into the place that Nick knows where it's supposed to go because he's omniscient well, uh, 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 I am the watcher yeah I'm talking to the editor <laughs> don't do that I know I'm not supposed to do that but guess what d d stop well, me to the editor, I try, try, a, try I have a snack loudly into the ha have a loud snack it's so fruity and tasty I'm, I'm sure it is okay and by the way kudos to you for bringing up the point to actually revisit having children as commodities I think that that was an excellent point that you brought through, Mr. Nick. This must be my 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 Christmas gift. <laughs> yeah. well, there's your bow on top of that one. Wow! All right, insert the tone. The guy. Oh, what was it? What's the character's name? I'm tired of calling him Mac? identity guy. No, the oh, the guy who's <laughs> running <from> identity. <laughs> that's that's my fault. <laughs> you can just call him 1408. Nobody will get it, but who cares? Well, yeah, because he wasn't in 1408. <laughs> I know. That would be the fun of it, though. Grill. That's his name. His name is Grill. Grill. How could we possibly forget that? How could we forget Grill? Okay, so... Uh, and back in. <laughs>